Uh, I'm going to share just a little bit with you uh, about some finances. Everybody says amen. Praise God. Man, I came to church just to hear you talk about money. And, uh, and so here's, it's not a disclaimer for you, but it is this, is that, hey, if you're a guest with us, I'm not asking you to do anything today. Um, what I am asking you to do is just listen and learn if there's something to learn, to be challenged if there's something to be challenged by. But specifically, uh, and this really isn't, uh, the, the title of my message, if you will, is actually called Believe For It. And so who I'm really targeting today and who I'm really thinking of in mind, usually I always have somebody in mind when I'm communicating. And typically the standard is my dad. Because if I can't explain it for my dad to understand, it's not simple enough. And it's not because he's not smart. It's just because he doesn't like complicated things. And he's, you know, even times he's been in the service, he'd be like, yeah, you lost me here. And I'm like, dang it, I should have, you know. And so that's usually my target. I'm like, man, if I can get my dad to, to be on the same page with me that I've done all right. But today my target is actually those of you who are already giving, who are already participating regularly in the air of your finances because I want to encourage you. I want to stir up your faith. And I, I want to just speak some truth to you. And even if you're in the room and you say, no, I don't do that. Well, the good news is, is you can. And so what I'm going to communicate this morning is you can be a part of it. Uh, and, and so, but I don't talk about the subject of money often. Um, I do that somewhat uh, intentionally uh, because I don't want that to be what everybody thinks that we're all about. Um, but there is a spirit, there's many spiritual principles that talk about our finances, our resources. Um, you know, time is a resource, and it can be wasted, it can be spent, it can be invested, it can, we can do a lot of things with, with our time, and the same is true with money. And so this morning, I want to just share some things with you from God's Word, uh, specifically in the area of our resources, our, our, our finances, um, and, and here's why. Because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by God's Word. It's Romans uh, ten seventeen. And so when we hear what God's Word has to say about our finances, Faith begins to work. And what does faith do? Faith is a belief that God would do what he said he would do. And so I want to share some things with you um, about this. And, and so, um, you know, we're just going to kind of jump in. And let me just say this on the front end is that for us in the New Testament, giving is not a law. Under the Old Testament, giving and tithing, that was the law of the Old Testament. And we're not under the law of, the new, of that in the New Testament but the Bible does say that we do have some responsibilities. As a matter of fact, if you look at the Old Testament, I'll give you an example of this. If you look in the Old Testament, is that sin was just kind of covered over. Well, in the New Testament, it's completely forgiven. Is that God says that he goes from one level to another, from glory to glory, from one step to another. And so just because Jesus comes doesn't mean that things get less. Like, let me give you another example. They were called to be holy in the Old Testament, yet they lacked the ability to actually be holy. And yet we're called now as New Testament post-cross Christians to now what? Walk and live in holiness. It's not a lower standard, but it's also not a law. And, and that's an important distinction to understand and to notice. And, and so uh, when we're approaching something like this is that we need to understand that everything that we have, everything, not just our resources, our time, our energy, those are all given in seed form. Everything is. The Bible talks about this as long as the earth remains. There is seed, there is time, there is harvest. Let me say it another way. There is seed, there is patience, and there is harvest. How many of you know that you don't go to the gym one day and just get the ideal body? 
Why? Because it takes some patience. It takes some steadfastness. It takes some commitment to see the rewards of your effort, right? Well, the same thing is true in many areas of our life. If you want to change your job, guess what it's probably going to take? You're going to have to learn some new skills. You may have to go to school. You may have to go to some training. You may have to do some things. You know, I was, uh, saw this clip of Shaquille O'Neal the other day. I thought it was interesting. And so he wanted, he was his post-basketball career. Uh, he wanted to get his master's degree. Of course, he was, you know, considered one of the all-time great basketball players. has made a, a fortune. And so he wanted to do, uh, get his master's degree. And it was kind of funny because the college was an online-only college. He said, well, I don't want to do online. I want to do it in person. And they said, well, we don't do that. And he said, well, what would it take to get an online or an in-person master's course? And they said, well, it would take 15 people for us to do that. And he said, so I paid for 15 of my friends to go get their master's degree so I could get mine. That's kind of crazy, isn't it? But he was willing to what? Put in the effort to get a master's degree. And it was actually stemmed because he got tired of walking into negotiations for business deals. And the guys doing the deal on the other side of the table never looked at him. And they always looked at his attorneys. And he's like, hey, do y'all think they're making the decisions? Because I'm the guy that makes the decision. You might want to talk to me. And so he recognized that and went and got his master's degree. So now he walks in the room and everybody looks at Shaquille. Like it's hard to miss him anyways. You know, <laughs> I mean, hey, little guy in the corner, come over here. I mean, he's pretty massive. But anything that we do in life, it requires us to sow some seeds. If you want a good marriage, not going to happen because you got married. Just because you say I do doesn't mean you got an ideal marriage. And just because you've been married for 25 years doesn't mean you've got an ideal marriage. You got to what? You got to sow some seeds. You got to water some seeds. Why? Because you want to harvest. Right? Anybody want a good marriage? How many of y'all know how you spell a good marriage? W-O-R-K. And communication. It's going to take some work and some communication. But it does take some patience. And so there's lots of things. And so even in this area of finances, uh, you know, Genesis 1.11 says this. Uh, it says that God created the earth. This is obviously the very beginning of the Bible. And God said that every seed produces after its own kind. In other words, humans make humans. They don't make dolphins. Apple trees don't make oranges or peaches. An apple tree will produce apples, right? A grapevine produces grapes. It doesn't create raspberries why it produces after its own kind well the same thing is true in the area of our finances is that when we uh, partner with god when we come into connection with him it will produce something in our life and it's not our money yes it produces lives it produces souls but the bible also talks about that there is a return upon our investment as well And I want to encourage you today specifically to put your faith into action in this area. Why? Because it's what God says. His word over and over and over talks about finances, talks about what God desires to do. You know, the Bible actually says that God takes pleasure when we prosper as his servant. Like God is not upset with us if we prosper. As a matter of fact, I believe that he wants us to prosper. Now, there's a lot to be said about these things as well. I don't believe that, because um, motive matters tremendously. Tremendously. And I also don't believe that God will bless me beyond my character's ability to maintain it. Not, now, it doesn't mean that I can't prosper. It doesn't mean that I may not be wealthy. But that doesn't mean that God says, hey, you're ready for that. 
And so God will bring prosperity into our lives when we're ready for it. So we may need to learn some new things. We may gain some godly wisdom about what he says about the area of our finances. Because being blessed is not just having money in the bank. Being blessed is a lifestyle and it's a way of living and it's a way of thinking. And it's, a way, and it's really, it's, it's even deeper than motive. But yet God talks about this many times. And so uh, just as an example, our resources, which again, those can be money, that can be possessions, it can be a lot of things. Our resources will either be one of three things. And so we can put it up here. So they're going to be, the first one is they're going to be consumed. You notice a little subtraction sign. In other words, you ate lunch, you paid your mortgage, you paid some bills, you went and bought a toy, you went and did, you know, you had a birthday party and that all, that money gets consumed. In other words, bye-bye, right? It, It has left you and it will not return. Why? Because it was consumed. And so we spend money all the time. On all kinds of things. And they're necessary things. They're part of life. And we need money because we have bills. We have things. We, I don't know if you've noticed, but life is expensive. You might have noticed your grocery bill kind of doing this number. You get that, ga- that gas electric bill every month and you're like, how is it that much more from last month to this month? Right? And, and so there's things that happen. So... We buy goods, and so things get consumed. The other thing that we can do with our resources is we can store them up. The Bible actually tells us that a wise man stores up ahead of time. Why? Because the rain's coming. Life happens. And it's amazing how much stress that you can actually, I'm not going to say avoid, but you can greatly diminish by having a little bit of money in the bank, a little bit of space between you and your problems. And you're like, I ain't got no money. Everybody's got something that you can start to save. I don't care if it's $10 out of every paycheck. You can start somewhere. You can. You can learn how to manage money God's ways. I mean, you remember the story of, of, um, oh, shoot, my mind just blanked. Is it Joseph? Go to many colors. Yes. He's in Egypt. And the Lord gave him a dream and said, hey, store up. There's seven years of plenty right now. Store up. Save up. And God may tell you to do that. You may go to buy something and the Lord said, don't do that. You need to put that money in savings. Is your car about to break and you don't know it. He may not tell you that. And then the next week your car breaks. You're like, man, I'm glad I didn't buy that thing. Because now i got money to pay for it. And God will speak to you about just your everyday, ordinary life. And then on the flip side of that, sometimes God will say, go ahead and buy that TV. I know you've been wanting it. you got the money. Don't worry about it. See, God doesn't mind us having the stuff. What he minds is when that stuff's got us. When it's more important to us than other stuff. When, we, when our life becomes a pursuit of the more... As opposed to more character and more development and, and more love and more patience and more kindness. We're more concerned about more dollars, right? That's what God minds. And so we can consume our resources, we can store them, or we can invest them. I didn't say this, but it's still up there. 
So you can either subtract them, you can add them, or you can do this last piece, which is investing them, which is multiplication. And there's lots of things that, that you can invest your money into. I'll give you a couple of examples. Retirement. How many of you have retirement? How many of you are retired? How many of you are glad that you planned for retirement? Hello. If you, if you don't want to work the rest of your life, you might want to plan because the day will hopefully come that you will have stored up so that you can have that later in life. So, but that's an investment. In other words, you put it aside now and let it grow for later. So you're thinking ahead. Another one is just the area of generosity. I believe that everything that we do as an act of generosity that really is a blessing with the right motive to help somebody else, I believe God honors. And that goes into multiplication. Here's another one that you might not think of, that way that you can invest your resources is to make memories with your family. Take the trip, take the pictures, make the memories, laugh, spend time together. That's an investment into your family. It's an investment into your children. It is an investment. Yeah, you're spending money, but it's actually an investment into future relationship. And it's important. We don't always talk about that in regards to money. So plan for it. What a concept. It's kind of a funny story. I, I've told you all that many times or multiple times about my life growing up and that my dad was a salesman and that God had really blessed them. When I was six years old, we went to Disney World. And uh, my dad couldn't afford it. We went on credit. And here was, I just talked to him recently about this, actually. Probably why I'm thinking about it. But his plan was, we were going to go to Disney World. We were going to come home, and he was going to file bankruptcy. Because he thought, man, if I'm going to go out, I'm going out with a bang. And he got mad because all we wanted to do was swim in the pool at the hotel. And we didn't like any of the food. You know, I, I mean, it was, a, you know... They say Disney World was the happiest place on the planet. It was not for him. And, uh, and so, but end of the story was he didn't file bankruptcy. Uh, but God did bless him. But he had to learn some things too. Is that there is wisdom that has to be gained along the way. Uh, and my parents are a testimony of that. Um, you know, they just are. And, and so, but we have to learn to make those investments. You can also invest by sowing into the kingdom of God. Now, here's the difference between this last one and all the other ones. The other ones are all temporal. They're for this life. But the moment that you stop breathing, the return on your investment will go away for you. Now, it may still exist in the hearts of your kids and your grandkids, and that's important. But I don't want to live a life solely for this life. I want to live a life that still speaks in the age which is to come, the Bible says. And when I get to heaven, I want to make sure that I have gone ahead and sent ahead some resources. And I want to know that what I did not only affected life on earth, but it actually also affected people's eternity in heaven forever. And so part of how I do that is through my finances. And so I'm a tither and I have been for a long time. My Christian life, uh, for the most part, I have, except for kind of earlier on, but I made a commitment that I would be a tither. Not because I had to, but because I saw it in God's word. And either his word is true or it's not. But if his word is true, then I probably should live by it. And if I can trust God with my eternity, I think I can trust him with my money. 
And, and so now I, I know some of y'all are already uncomfortable and I've already ruffled your feathers. It's okay. You're going to leave in a few minutes and you can call me a quack for all I care. But I'm just telling you, there are things in my life that I have seen God do. And I would be, it would really be, I would be a very poor pastor if I did not tell you the truths that have transformed my life. And this is one of them. It's the same reason why I would stand very strong and very firm upon the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because it has revolutionized my life. So why would I not tell you and keep a secret into something that has changed not just my life, but my entire family's life? You know, I sent my dad, actually I sent my parents a video clip here recently. And it was talking about generational lines, about the blessing of God and and how he talked about how that many people stand like, I'll say it this way. My normal was my dad's miracle. My parents believed God regarding their finances. My dad was a commission-only salesman. In other words, if he didn't sell, we didn't get paid. He didn't get paid. So living by faith, taking a job that he had never done. He, he was a truck driver who went into sales in an industry he knew nothing about because he believed that it was the Lord. Talk about just taking a giant step of faith. And for two years, it was pretty rough. I was little. I was actually two when my dad started. He's been now been doing it 41 years. He looks like a genius today. But it wasn't always that way. And a lot of people thought, you're nuts. But yet they begin to believe God and God begin to stir up some things in them and they begin to invest. And so here's what I want to tell you is that when we begin to live a life in accordance to God's word is that multiplication will begin to happen. And that doesn't mean that, hey, I'm going to sow this and I'm going to get this. Like we shouldn't sow to reap. We should sow to honor God. Now, in his goodness and, and by his own word, he says I will pour out blessings into your life. And our responsibility is, number one, to believe for that, to obey him, to walk in the wisdom of the scriptures. And and so we want to invest in the right places. Not all investments are wise or advantageous, and not all investments produce the same results. They don't. All things are not equal. And, And so, you know, I mean, I do things outside of the church world and I work and I do things yet God is involved in that too. So I would encourage you. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're in the medical field. I don't care if you're in construction. I don't care if you're a teacher. I don't care if you're a nurse. I don't care if you're a stay at home parent. I don't care what you do, whatever you are doing, God will actually work with you and for you in the midst of wherever you're at. Why? Because he put you there for a reason. And it's and partly it is to be a witness, but it's also to be a sign and a wonder to those around you. Is that I believe that God would bless you, that God would bless me, where people go, how, 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 did, how did that happen? Oh, it's the blessing of the Lord. Let me tell you why. Now, this word is actually probably going to become more and more important in, the, in our own lives because we can look at our economy You know, there's a funny saying is that you can tell who's swimming without shorts when the tide goes out. 
You got that mental picture? (laughs) And there's a lot of people that say, oh, I'm believing God and God's my provider and all these things and, and, you know, and it's all good. We may be finding out those who know how to trust God and those who don't. I mean, Elijah ran for his life and yet a bird came and fed him. And then when the brook dried up, the angel came and said, hey, I got a widow. What's that broke widow got for me? She's about to die. But God said, just go. And he provided. Now, I'm not saying that we should be foolish. I'm not saying we should be ignorant. But what I am saying is that we need to believe that God's word is actually true. Every part of it. And so this is important. And so this morning I've got an illustration for you, obviously, as you can tell here. And so I'm going to ask my mighty man of God, Chris, to come up here. And uh, he's going to help me with this. And so I've got a point that I want to illustrate for you. It's kind of multiple points. So if you can't quite see it, you'll see it here in a second. I have built a seesaw. Now, I don't know why seesaws are no longer around. I'm sure people were having way too much fun. And so they thought, man, we've got to banish this thing. We've got to get rid of the seesaw. So I know that we're wrapping up school, but I'm going to ask Darren. She's like, I didn't know that's what this was called. This centerpiece right here. Anybody know what it's called? There we go. A few of you know. You get a gold star today. Congratulations. So this thing here is called a, a fulcrum. Let me give you another name for it. It'd be a hinge point. A point at which something pivots. So, in the next few moments, this is what I want you to do. Is that, and I'm gonna, you're gonna visualize this as I do it. The position of this greatly affects how much effort it takes to move one end or the other. And so, for the sake of the conversation and the illustration, which by the way, let me just take a moment here. I was gonna do this at first. You know that week, a couple weeks ago, when everything went haywire in here? I just want to honor this guy because he was by my side the whole week. And there's no way that we would have had church that following Sunday had he not come up here and been with me and helped me. He he knows a ton about all our systems and all the stuff, all the stuff y'all don't ever see. And so I just want to honor him for a moment. And you should thank him that we were able to have church. And so, so I, I appreciate you very much, sir. I didn't tell him I was going to do that. He probably wouldn't have come up here. But so, so I'm going to identify each of these pieces. So this board here represents our life. How many of you know that it's static? In other words, it just is what it is. It ain't going to do anything by itself. Things happen to it. Forces get applied to it. Things begin to happen. But life is just existence. It's just kind of here. So we have that one. Chris, for the sake of conversation, is going to represent our lack or our problem. And so you'll understand why here in a second. I'm going to, end, I'm going to represent our effort, but also our faith. Because that's an important part. If you're going to experience what God has for you, it's going to require faith. The Bible says, without faith, it's impossible. Everybody say impossible. Not possible. It is impossible to please God without faith. Why? Because 
He watches those who honor him. And the Bible says that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Another way to say it is that he's the rewarder of those who will live life his way. So life is static, but I can use my faith. In other words, my belief that God's word is true to actually influence life. So I'm going to represent our effort. This right here, this fulcrum, represents God's influence in our life. So the position of God upon this board makes a tremendous difference. So if you will take your seat, sir. As you can tell, he's a mighty man of God. But see, here's what happens. Is that we will start life and like, so in this position, this represents I'm saved. Man, I love God. I'm believing God's word. I start confessing. I start believing. And then we hop up on the seesaw, right? But how many of you realize I could stand on this thing and jump, but I won't. But look, how many of you realize he's not moving, but he's my problem. He's what I lack. Now, what do I do? Do I just ignore the problem? Do I complain about the problem? Do I cry about the problem? Like, life is life. And in all my efforts, ain't nothing happening. I can jump. I can scream. I can cry. I can do all kinds of stuff, but ain't nothing happening. The problem's not moving. And I'm not moving. Life has not moved. So what do I do? I need to put the fulcrum in its right place. And so if I take it and I move, now look, what doesn't change? You can have your seat. The problem is still on the ground. I may have to jump to get up here now. So what happens though is, okay, so now for the sake of this conversation, we're talking about finances. I have a financial need that I could do nothing about a moment ago. So, I've started my Christian walk. I'm walking with the Lord. I'm doing what I know to do, but there has to come a point where I have to make a decision is I'm going to move God from here to here. So I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start investing in the kingdom of God. And as I begin to do that, my problem, hey, my problem begins to move a little bit, right? But you know what? It's taking all of my weight and then some. And if I really want to get him to move, I really got to go, (laughs) right so look i can move him around so we got a little motion going on right things are at least getting to level at least my problem's not just insurmountable at this point i'm like okay we're getting like a little equilibrium going so this is good but how many know that god wants actually better because for me to stay here requires effort just to sit here so i have to maintain just to stay level. But if I, if I do any, like if, if I decide, oh, I want to stop honoring God. I'm trying to not slam him down on the ground. Guess what happens? Oh, I tried that, but it didn't work. Guess what? It just stopped working. Why? Because I got off the stool. But the moment that I choose, because look, I can even try to push. Ooh, I got farther than I thought. 
But that took a lot more effort than me sitting on there, right? Like I had to strain a little bit. So you could say it this way, is it, and this is what I believe, is that in this position, I'm actually a tither. I'm not just kind of randomly giving. I'm saying, God, I'm going to trust you at your word that this is the, the balance point of my life. That things will stabilize in my life if I'll just honor you with the tithe, which is 10% of my income. Some of you are just like, Pfft. Like, I could never do that. So start where you are. You got to get on the board somewhere. Because out here ain't nothing moving. Out here, you actually have no, no reasonable expectation to apply your faith that God would honor his word. Let me say it this way. When we honor God's word, he honors his word. If I don't honor God's word, he has no obligation to honor his word. All right? So now let's talk about extravagant giving, like over and above. What happens now is that this bad boy is going to slide a little bit. Ooh. Nope. See, problems, problems. So now, God is closer to my problem than me. If you notice, by the way, the more that I trust God, the further my problem gets away from me. Have you noticed that? Is that God is moving closer to my problem while he's moving me away as I trust him more. And so now, I can easily... I could preach the entire message standing right here with zero effort. I could put one foot on this and hold him like that. I could place one hand on this and hold him in that position. Now, remember a minute ago, I was bouncing on this board. The board has not changed at all. Not one bit. All the elements are exactly the same except for one thing. The fulcrum. And the position of God along this board can make a huge difference in your life. Whether you realize it or not. Now it's optional. We get to choose where God sits along life. But I can tell you, it's a lot easier to be farther away from my problem. And with less effort, less belief, less faith... I can move what was impossible for me. Why? Because I'm not doing this. That's actually making the difference. So it's not because I'm highly favored and blessed of the Lord. No, it's because God is good. It's because God is faithful. Because God's committed to his word. And when I put him in that position of my life, the energy, the effort, all the strain becomes a lot easier. So I'm no longer trying to fight for the blessings of God. I'm receiving the blessings of God. I'm enjoying the blessings of God. And then it also helps me remember, I didn't do this anyway. So, Lord, if you ask me for something, absolutely, it's yours. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm a big believer. Thank you, Chris. I hope that helps illustrate a point to you. This is by far the largest object lesson I've ever had. Maybe, well, if you include me and Chris, it's definitely the heaviest, too. But, so I, I say all of this, I'm going to move this back, get it out of my way, unless I trip on it or something or knock me over. And so when we understand these things, though, it impacts and influences our everyday life. And so this is very important for us to understand is that God is not after my money. Let me be honest with you. He doesn't need it. 
If that's the mentality you have, then you have a, 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 a wrong picture of God. He needs nothing from us. He doesn't need our money, but the Bible does tell us that where our money goes, our heart will be there also. So, so I'm gonna, in the next few moments here, I'm going to give you some scriptures. Some of these will be familiar, but I, and some of them I just want to put before you because faith comes by hearing and hearing by God's word. And remember the people that I'm talking to today are the people who are already the ones who are supporting the gospel work. And I want to encourage you to begin to believe God for what his word says. Because in Luke 6.38, it says this. Now, in regards to the scripture in context, it's talking about judgment. Many people just quote this about money. It's not about money. It's actually about judgment. But there's a principle here that does apply in many environments. I'll show you that here in a second. So it says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be poured into your lap. For with the measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. So let me give you some examples, even from the scriptures. If you want to have friends, Proverbs says you need to show yourself friendly. Give, you will receive. Few unfriendly people have lots of friends. Why? Because it violates the principle Give friendliness, show yourself kind to others, people will be friendly to you. Forgiveness. Give forgiveness, you'll receive forgiveness. The Bible actually tells us if we don't forgive those who have offended us, why would we believe the Father would forgive us? Sowing and it's reaping, right? Well, this is true even in our finances. Remember, every seed produces after its own kind. So if I if I sow forgiveness, I'm gonna reap forgiveness. If I sow friendliness, be a good neighbor, smile and wave. As much as I didn't like the hurricane, I'm glad that all the fences came down because I got to meet all kinds of people in my neighborhood I'd have never met. Most interactions were good, mostly. Some people were just like, can we just build that fence up? Just that one be fine. No, it's, it really is a universal principle that will work. That if we sow, we should actually expect that God would do what he said in his word. Again, we're not sowing so that we reap. But God said, if you sow, you will reap. So motive really is important. Philippians 4.19 says this. This is the Apostle Paul. He's actually talking about someone who had sent him an offering. And so his response to them in Philippians 4.19 is, uh, says, This same God who takes care of me will supply all of your needs. From his glorious riches, which you've been given in Christ Jesus. This same God, the same God that provides for me, that's the same God that provides for you, that provides for everyone else that puts their trust and their faith in him. Everybody else who jumps on the seesaw, the same one. I mean, the Bible actually says that God is no respecter of person. He is a respecter of faith. He is a respecter of obedience. I can't change God's word, and that's what his word says. He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so the question really becomes, will I take God at his word and will I begin to stir up my faith to believe God for what? To believe God for more. Why? Because if I'm a blessing now and God increases me, I can be a greater blessing. And if God increases me again, I can be a greater blessing. 
Look, my responsibility is not the blessing. My responsibility is obedience and keeping my heart pure. That's our responsibility. So this is important. And so we do these things. And so, uh, you know, even the Bible talks about in Malachi 3.10, we won't turn there, but it talks about, would you honor God with the tithe? And he says, if you do this, I will pour, I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour out a blessing that you can't even contain. In other words, you got enough to take care of you and to help some other folks. Now, the question that you have to ask yourself with that scripture, is God a liar? Because if he's not, then he has to do what he said. As a matter of fact, he goes on in verse 11 and says, just try me. I double dog dare you. Just try me and see if I won't do it. This is God's word. In Numbers 23, though, 19, it says that God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. In other words, if God says it, it's established forever says has he ever spoken and failed to act has he ever promised and not carried it through god will not lie he watches over his word to perform it to make it happen in our life so how do i activate god's word in my life by faith by trusting in that god's word is true for me see people want to have the debate of this which is is the bible true that's not the question The question is actually, is the Bible true for you? Because it doesn't matter what everybody else says. It matters what you believe, what you hold to in your life. Because God can increase you many ways. In your job, outside of your job, God can give you favor. God can give you wisdom. God can give you one idea. Maybe it's in line with your business. Maybe it's in a totally different arena and it's just an idea i had one of my baseball coaches who had tweaked a pitching machine he was a for sure well for sure he was a semi-pro baseball player and pitching machines did just one thing and he made a slight adjustment to it and patented it and made a fortune one idea at his job God can give you one thought that could totally change the way that you see your life. It may be in your job. It may be outside of your job. It may just be favor with somebody. One relationship can change everybody, change everything. Your relationships are more important than your money, by the way. Just get in a relationship with the wrong person. You'll find out real quick. All the money in the world couldn't fix that junk. Sorry. Now, having a generous heart, having a generous soul actually transforms us at a core level. And so there really is a, a unique joy when it comes to the act of generosity. Uh, Acts 20, verse 35 says this You should remember the words of Jesus. It is more blessed, more blessed to give than to receive. And you may say, I don't know that. I don't believe that. Because it's got to get into your soul. It's got to get, and and not just be something that you do. It's got to become who you are. 
I don't give, I am a giver. Therefore, when I have an opportunity to give, it's not a question of if, it's how. At what level can I? And so it's important that we understand it's more blessed to give than to receive. Proverbs 11, 24 and 25, I'm going to read this out. The message translation says this, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Those who bless others will be, or those who bless others is abundantly blessed. And those, or those who bless others, blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Let me give you just an easy way to look at this. How much can get into my hand if I've got it clenched tight? Nothing. Why? Because it's closed. A closed hand is a closed heart. But if I open up my hand, and look, I'm not saying get, get taken advantage of. There are lots of people that are looking to, I mean, if you don't check your email, go on Facebook. You got some scammers right now in there somewhere, okay? There are scammers out everywhere, and you need to use wisdom. My dad will call me and be like, hey, I'm going to forward you this email. Somebody's asked me $500. My dad, that's a scammer. How do you know? I can look at it. It's a scammer. Don't, do not send them any money. I was at my parents' house, I don't know, six, eight months ago. And my dad's on the phone. I'm like, who are you talking to? Been on the phone forever. And he's like, ah. And I'm like, who are you talking to? And he's like, it's something to do with your mom's, whatever, social security or something. I don't know. I was like, give me the phone. Give me the phone. I'm like, Hello? They start talking. I'm like, who is this? Where are you from? Where are you located right now? All right, we're done. Don't call back. Click. It was a scammer. Right? So I'm not saying to be foolish in opening our hand. Just like, oh, well, just you got to vet where you're going to sow. In other words, check the soil. Good seed does not produce in bad soil. Do a little soil check. I'm not obligated to do everything for everybody. I'm obligated to do everything the Lord tells me to do. The other day, I'm driving down the road. I was right there by Chick-fil-A. Guy with a sign, hungry. I'm like, all right, Lord. This ain't my decision. You're going to have to tell me. And I was almost buying. Almost. And the Lord reminded me that I had a Sonic gift card because I don't carry cash most of the time anyway. And I had a Sonic gift card in my, in my, whatever, my junk area of my truck. I'd call it a glove box, but it's a trash can. that may have a few snacks in it as well. Those are hidden from the children. But I, he reminded me I had that little gift card. And if you know where I'm talking about, Sonic's just right across the road. And so I had to stop and hold traffic up for a moment, which, you know, I'm that dude. I'm like, God, Jesus, I can't believe you're making me do this. I'm embarrassed. I'm rummaging through. I find it. And I roll the window down. I say, hey, man, go get you some lunch. It was a small thing. But yet I felt like in my heart that the Lord led me to do that. Well, if the Lord led me to do that, then God has a purpose for me doing that. More than just giving that guy lunch. Because I want to live a life that is this, not this. I want to live a life that's open. And so let me give you a couple things uh, comparing these two things. So stingy is me focused. Consume with self. Generous is others focused. I'm going to think about other people. I'm going to be mindful of other people. 
If I can help, I want to help. Doesn't mean that I can. Or maybe it's a, hey, I'm going to have to believe God to help. God, you said you would give seed to the sower. If I'm willing to sow, God will bring me the seed, even if I don't have it in the moment. He'll bring seed to the sower. Stinginess just says, oh, I can't do that. Generosity says, how could I do that? It's going to take some faith, what I was just talking about. God, show me how that I could do what you've asked me to do. I mean, I've had the Lord ask me to sow some, for me, significant seed. May not be to you, but for me it was. I'm like, God, I can't sow that amount of money. He says, no, but you could give this much a month for the next six months. You're right. I could adjust this, just take this part, this little luxury in my life and just dial it back. I know this is going to sound like heresy coming from me. It was even in church news today. Like if I just cut Dr. Pepper out, I could save some money. I mean, it sounds crazy. But where's your faith at? Like I, I want to be sensitive to the Lord that, where he says, because look, I love Dr. Pepper. If you don't know, there's Jesus and there's Dr. Pepper. Okay. The fountains in front of my house in heaven will flow with rivers of Dr. Pepper. And we may have some bluebell ice cream in there now, from what I hear. I have not tried it yet, but two of the best things on the planet come together to make an angelic flavor, I suppose. No, but would I be willing to set something aside, even for the temporary, to obey God? Where do I want to be? Do I want to be in the middle where I'm just kind of level? Or do I want to get over in that extravagant area that's over and above? For man, it doesn't require a whole lot of effort to obey God. And look, you're not going to get there overnight. There's still things that I'm believing God for. I'm not saying that I'm where I want to be. I'm not. Like, I'll give you an example of this, just a, a practical, easy thing. One of the things that I do at the end of every year is I take all of my giving and I want to make sure that I gave more of, of my income than I did the previous year. Now, I know some people are like, I'm going to give 1% more. I just want to know if it's more dollars. Did I give more? And I'll do the percentages and I'll do all that stuff. But I want to make sure that every year that I'm making, that I, because I don't want to get into a routine. Another word for a routine is a rut. Another word for a rut is a grave. And I don't want my heart to die because I've never challenged it. See, stinginess causes you to shrink back, but generosity causes you to step up. Stinginess has no faith for future blessing, but generosity knows that a harvest is coming. Stinginess has no reason to believe that God would work. That God is nowhere. They're, they're like this board. They're laying flat. They got, I mean, if Chris was still standing here, how many of you know I couldn't come back here and lift this thing up? I could huff and I could puff. I could take my back out. But he would not be moving. Because I lack the strength to do it. But yet when I get God involved and I put him in his rightful place, things begin to happen that I can't do. See, there's nothing wrong with having an, expecting a return upon an investment into the kingdom of God when it's kept in its proper place. Now, I understand there's been abuses of this, and I get that. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is just taking God at his word and just saying, God, I'm going to honor you in your word. I want to keep my motive pure. I mean, I expect return on my investment in every other part of my life. If I work, I expect to get paid. 
Don't you? If I invest money, I expect to make money. I mean, I'm not investing in things to lose money. I don't know about you. That's unwise. Why would it be different in regards to the spirit realm? I mean, give me a couple of examples of this. Would you eat better and go to the gym if you knew it had no results? No. But you know that eating right, going to the gym, taking care of yourself, getting your regular check like this is all wise. Why? Because you know it's good for you. That's why you do it. But if, if there was zero return, most of, most of the gyms would be empty. There'd be a few diehards like Chris in there. But for the most part, if there's no return, why go? Would you pray if you knew it wouldn't change anything? If you knew all of your prayer amounted to nothing, would you pray? Kind of demotivating it. Like, man, I'm not going to do anything. Why should I do it? That's my point. And I think people have been limited by the mentality. And when we come into uh, the spirit world or the kingdom work, if you will, is that they think, well, it's just like on autopilot. It's like my one gripe. I'm, I'm st- I've got a little bit of an old soul, a little bit. I still like paper books. I have made myself like read books on my iPad just because I can carry hundreds of books with me all the time if I want. But there's still something to be said about writing a check. Like I kind of, I mean, I do all my giving online now, but I kind of miss that, write the check and bring it to the church. And to be honest, I've had to really fight to maintain my faith giving digitally because it's automated, it's quick, it's easy, it's convenient. I'm not really applying my faith in ways that I used to. And so I've had to fight to kind of keep that in the forefront of my mind. Because, hey, I'm not just going through the motions here. I want to apply my faith to my giving. Why? Because I need to believe God that he would do what he said in his word. And so I'm encouraging, stir up your faith. See, when we support kingdom work, we're acknowledging that God knows better what I need than I do. God knows what will actually fulfill me. And so I have to trust him to bring the right kind and the right amount of increase that I can handle. My responsibility is my heart. The outcome is God's. And I will trust him in those things. And so last scripture for you today, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, says, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. It says, you must decide in your heart how much to give and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a cheerful giver. The Amplified adds this, who's a, a giver whose heart is in his giving. God loves a cheerful giver whose heart is also in what they're doing. And he goes on, he says, when we do this, he says, God will generously provide all that you need. And then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. You'll have not just enough for you, but you'll have what? Windows of heaven opening up so that blessing will be poured out so that you can't even receive it. Now, as I'm wrapping up, I I, I just want to touch on this real quick. 
But the Lord, I, I believe the Lord prompted this in my heart again. You know, in January, we were doing 21 days of prayer and fasting. As a church, we were doing a church-wide 21 day seeking the Lord. And the Lord dropped a phrase in my heart during actually that encounter weekend um, that we did then. And, and I just want to keep putting it before you because I don't want you to forget we're human beings. We could also call that we're human forgetters because we forget things a lot. All of us do. But the principle and the thing, and, and look, as far as I know, I've actually never said publicly that this was a word from the Lord as long as I've pastored. I've been in ministry over 20 years. I actually believe that this was the Lord, not just for our church, but also for you. And the phrase is, is that God's not just the God of breakthrough. He's the God of breakout. And breaking through means I got through the moment. Breakout means I'm never going back. And that includes in the area of your finances. And there are some of you, very possibly, that maybe you've been giving, but you've not applied your faith. You're not saying, God, I see in your word. I would encourage you, go find out what the Bible has to say about giving, about generosity. I mean, the Bible's full of, of promises of God. You don't have to take my word for it. Go to your own Bible. Why? Because it's going to stir up your faith. You need to believe God for more. What does that more look like? I don't know. I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't necessarily even know what it looks like for me. I know this is that, and I believe in hard work. All of my effort cannot produce the blessings that I get to enjoy in my life. No question. I don't work hard enough. I ain't that smart. Like, all kinds of stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. I can't be a turtle on a log and be like, God, provide. God's going to say, go get a job. Like, you know what I'm saying? I mean, like, there's a partnership that I'm involved with it, but it's multiplication. It's like me trying to jump up just off the ground and making a jump straight up or me getting on a trampoline. Now, if you know, I can jump higher on a trampoline. I might want to lose my lunch after, but I can jump a lot higher on that trampoline. Why? Because there's some assistance there that gets me higher. Well, the same thing is true with God. And so I want to encourage you. I don't know. You may be facing some financial struggle right now. You may have some things and you're trying to figure it out. And you're like, man, this, yeah, I identify. My problem's just sitting on the ground staring at me and be like, what you going to do? You can't do nothing about me. Isn't it funny how that works? Bills talk. I don't know if you're aware of that. They talk to you. They're not very kind either. So begin to speak to that mountain. Begin to have some corresponding actions that line up with what you're confessing. Because faith requires action. Faith is not just mouth. It's not just, it's not just words. It's not just empty, vain words. No, faith has action behind it. And when you take the combination of God's word and you take our faith, all of a sudden this board and our actions, that board will begin to slide. And then what used to be really hard, you're going to be staring at, at, your, at your mountain, your giant, and going like, you're about to get out of here. Can't stay any longer. And so I want to pray this morning, specifically in the area of finance. And I'm going to ask you to take a step of faith um, in this. Um, and so specifically, if you're here this morning, you say, man, there's a financial need that I have that I need to believe God in. I'm going to ask you just to stand up right where you're at. I'm not going to ask you to come down here. But as a step of your faith, I'm going to ask you just to stand up. And what you're saying is, I need God to work in my finances. I have an issue. I have something that I'm facing that I can't do in and of myself. And I need God's help. 
And so I'm going to pray for you. And I believe that that God's going to give you just wisdom more than anything, more than money. You actually need wisdom. Because if you get wisdom, money will follow wisdom. Go look at the life of Solomon. He was the wealthiest man. He's also said to be the wisest man. And people with lots of money would come to Solomon to get his wisdom. And they would give him money. Why? Because all their money couldn't get them the wisdom that he had. You actually need wisdom, not money. That's a freebie. You're welcome. But I believe that as I pray this morning, I believe that there are things that have been held up that I believe that they're going to begin to break. God's going to begin to work. God's going to begin to do some things for you. Yes, he's going to give you the wisdom, but I think there's going to be a supernatural element to this as well. And so I want to pray this morning over you concerning these situations. Your responsibility is this, is to believe God, to put faith into it. And so, Father, I just thank you right now. Father, I thank you for everyone who is standing right now. You know every detail of every one of their situations. So, Father, I thank you that you're good, that you're loving, Father, that you don't punish, that you don't deprive, that you don't withhold anything from us. But, Father, I thank you that you're at work. You're bringing wisdom to every one of these circumstances and situations. Your wisdom unlocks resources. Your wisdom unlocks breakthroughs. Your wisdom brings peace and comfort. So, Father, I just thank you right now. I take authority over fear. Your word says that you've not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. So, Father, I speak peace over every one of these minds, every one of these hearts right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place right now, into each of their hearts. Father, I thank you that fear is being replaced with confidence in you and in your word. Father, I thank you that miracles begin to work, begin to happen. Unexplainable breakthroughs. Father, I thank you that you're working and moving. Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. Father, for those who so faithfully give and serve in the area of their finances. Father, I thank you that just as it says in Malachi 3, Father, I thank you that you're unlocking the windows of heaven. Father, as we keep our motives pure, Father, that you pour out your blessings into our life beyond even what we can even uh, really comprehend or recognize in many ways. But Father, I thank you that when your blessing comes, that your word says that it adds no sorrow with it. But Father, I thank you that your blessing is great. It's wonderful. And so Father, I thank you that even as we honor you, Father, I thank you for your increase to come. Father, that's not the reason that we sow. We sow so that we can honor you. Because we want to live a life in accordance and in line and in alignment with your word. And so, Father, we just thank you today for who you are. We thank you for your goodness, your grace. Father, that you're too good to us. But, Father, it's your great pleasure to be too good to us. So, Father, we just thank you that you're such a loving, kind, gracious Father to us. We give you honor and praise for it today. In Jesus' name, amen.